grateful for a God that gives us value. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 32. Our core kids are dismissed to their classes. Hallelujah. Worthy, 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 Lamb of God. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 11, verse 32 to 38. When you got to say so. And it says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of, alien, of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, to whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves on the earth. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, Lord God. We thank you for your great, great love that you show us. And Lord, we do humble our hearts before you this morning, and we pray that you would speak to us, Lord God, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds as we are in your word in these next few moments. We ask you, Lord God, that you would give us ears not only to hear your word, but that you would give us hearts to obey it. Father, be glorified in our time in your word. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. still writing the stories y'all 
through our lives. Glory to God. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. Just hold it up and the ushers will get you one. Just keep it up there. We want to make sure that everyone gets an outline. We want you to follow along with us, with me, as I go through the introduction of the message. And also want to make sure that you answer the questions in the outline. Take some good notes and always, always reminding you that we are a disciple-making church. And so you can utilize these outlines and what you are learning on Sundays to help someone else grow in their faith. So that's an easy way for you to do that. So you don't have to make stuff up. You know, you can just go ahead and sit down with someone and say, hey, man, I was learning this on Sunday. Hope my pastor's right. Amen. Glory to God. I promise you I'm not making stuff up. I hope not. Amen. Today we are on day 92 of our Bible reading challenge. For those of you that are following along in that Bible reading challenge, I hope you are. Um, It's been really good for me. It's been very edifying for me. This is the first time I will confess this. This is the first time in a long time that I am actually on track with a Bible reading challenge this far into the year. Amen. And I thank you because every Sunday I got to tell you where we're at so that keeps me on track. Glory to God. So some good accountability built in. Um, I mean, I read the Bible and I'm not saying that I'm super spiritual or anything like that, but I read the Bible. Obviously, I study the Bible, but you know, when it comes like Bible reading plans, you know, typically by like January 3rd, I'm done. That's, I'm, I'm just kidding. Hey, I, 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 I usually, all right, all right, all right, you know, like January 6th, I don't know. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't made it, you know, this year I will make it though, I promise you. So, um, you know, I, I, um, I, I was encouraged this week, one of my buddies that he, he doesn't go to our church, but um, he was here when we first started and he actually sent me a message. He was like, Bishop, I miss your videos. And so I was encouraged. I got on there. So I was like, well, praise God, man. You know, we got, so I got a few videos up this week. I think I did three this week. So we're getting better. You know, we're going to continue to move forward. We're going to aim for five this week coming up, you know, or four, maybe three, four. We'll go to four. Let's aim for four, and every week we'll try to progress to one more, right? So nonetheless, we are on on day 92. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 7 through 9. So 2 Samuel chapter 7 through 9, very encouraging chapters. Got some good stuff in there, so I pray that you'll read it. And so in our outline here, if you look at your outline, we are in the last, the, the sermon before the last one for the end of chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews in our Living Faith series. And so we are living, we live in a culture that is results oriented. We want to see it grow, we want to make it happen, and we want to be part of something that is working. Can, can you say amen to that? Is that not true? I mean, that is the culture that we live in, right? We want to be part of something. Everybody does. Anything that you do, nobody starts something because they want to fail. Are you here? You know? Folks that, you know, the other day, one of, one of, my, one of my buddies, you know, just pray for Bishop's buddy, um, he posted on Facebook. He was like, I'm just going to throw this out there. He's like, I don't think divorce parties are really cool. Because, right, you know, now they celebrate that, right? Like, we have a party, like, you know. And I understand that there are some situations that you probably are celebrating when you're no longer in that relationship. I get that. I, I totally get that, right? But I want you to know something. You're, there, there is some devastation that is left, right? There's some things that happen that are just painful. My point of bringing that up is nobody got engaged thinking about their divorce party. Are you here? And so we all want to be part of something good. We all want to be part of something that is going to work. And the reason for that is because of this Imago Dei right? The image of God that is in us. And so I love, you know, as, as Sean was, was um, exhorting us before he started the song, and I'm not really big, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not really big into people talking a lot in worship because I just want to worship God, so that's just me. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, I hope they got something good to say. But he has something really good to say. You know, some people, they just want to talk. It's like, listen, there's, anyway, I'm just going to leave it there. But it's, you know, 
Like some people want to preach a whole sermon, and he didn't, you know, he didn't do that. I'm not accusing him of that. I thought what he said was amazing. That was beautiful, man. You know, very powerful, good illustration, help you to understand your worth. But can I tell you something? The reason why you were to die for and I was to die for is because God put his imago Dei in you. Because you and I are image bearers of God, that is where we get our value. And in that value that we have, God gives us his image. God is a fruitful God, is he not? God is a God who makes things happen. I mean, come on, man, you want to talk about fruitful? He had nothing and created everything. I'm talking about that's a fruitful guy. I'm just saying, right? Like none of us could do that. And so he does that. But in us, he puts something in us for us to be able to bear fruit. And not only did he tell us to bear fruit or enable us to bear fruit, but he commands us to be fruitful and multiply is what he does. So that's the reason why. That's part of the image of God that is in us. Here's the thing that I want you to understand about faith when we're talking about faith. Faith, the problem with it is that faith doesn't always work the way we want it to. Are you here? Faith does not always work the way we want it to. In other words, faith does not always produce the results we want to see. Are you here? This is just a reality. And sadly, the church in our day has been infiltrated with this word of faith movement where we've been taught that we create stuff with our words. Hello. Well, you know, because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so we go through all of these things. And, you know, you say your kid is crazy. And someone's like, no, no, don't say that because you're speaking that into their life. Listen. Don't be beating your kids up talking about they're crazy all the time. Tell them that, that's, that, that, that's going to be something that's going to affect them in a negative way. But you saying they were crazy didn't make them crazy. I'm just saying. I, you know, I, 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 I want to make that point. Let me, let, let, me, let me give you some scripture to back up what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is there's a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Balaam. Say Balaam. And this guy was a prophet of the Lord, and a king hired him, right, to do what? To come and curse Israel. What is a curse? To speak something against Israel. And when Balaam was trying to speak something into existence, you know what he had to do? He had to say, I cannot speak anything except what the Lord gives me to say. I cannot curse them because what? They are not cursed. He couldn't just create his own future. He couldn't, you know, and, 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 and you get that from this thing. There's a book, there's a movie, it's called The Secret. Listen, it's a lie. That is new age garbage. But you want to know what the problem is? The problem is the church buys in. Look, some people, they have the car they want sitting on their refrigerator, and they're speaking like, God, I'm going to get that car right there in the name of Jesus. What about if Jesus didn't want that car for you? Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, you trying to, got the house on the bulletin board. Like, that's the, what, what if God doesn't want that house for you? God's word. Listen, our words matter. I'm not saying our words don't matter. The book of Proverbs, I just quoted it jokingly, but seriously, the book of Proverbs tells us clearly, there is death and life in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will do what? Eat the fruit of it. Hey, y'all know your Bible, glory to God. You finished in Scripture. Most people don't know the first part of that Scripture. I love y'all. Listen, they will eat the fruit of it, right, because there's power in our words for sure, but the words that matter most are the word of God. And so what we have to do is know what God's word says so that we will know what to believe God for. Second paragraph here, faith is to be the result of a living relationship with our creator, God, and father through the means of our sacrificial savior, Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. What I've been trying to drive home in this series of faith is that our faith is about a relationship with God. It's not some abstract thing that you just put in something because there's plenty of people that are walking around that you're going to have conversations with that say they have faith but what do they have faith in 
It's not just a thing. It's not just a force. It's not just a promise. It is a God. It is a Savior. And our faith is tied to that relationship. Third paragraph. We must embrace the results of our faith as they come. Living in hope beyond this life, which has the potential to affect everyone we encounter in this life. Why do I say that? We must embrace the results of our faith as they come. Because when we look at these verses that we just looked at here, there are two groups of people in, this, in these verses. One group you want to be part of. The other group you're praying that you're never part of. You want to be the one that was conquering kingdoms. You want to be the one that was casting out demons. You want to be the one that was causing all kind of positive things and seeing that in your life. You do not want to be the one that was sawn in two. Hello. How many people are signing up to be sawn in two? Like right now, raise your hand. I want to be sawn in two, yes. And nobody wants to be sawn in two. No, how many of y'all want to be persecuted? Come on now. Nobody wants to be persecuted. How many of y'all want to be mocked? How many of y'all? Nobody wants to be mocked. That's just a reality. But can I tell you something? Both of these things that we see here are results of the same thing, and that's faith in God. And so we accept and we embrace whatever the results are for our faith in God. We accept what, whatever God allows us to walk through, whatever God walks with us through, we accept that. Because as we walk through those things, whether good or bad, no matter what, our faith can affect everyone we come in contact with. So as a young person in a school, you can affect the lives of those that you go to school with if you will simply stand up for Christ. If you will simply be a light. Can I tell you something? I didn't even know Christians existed until I dropped out of school. I didn't know they existed in school. I'm talking about in school. Obviously, my grandmother was a Christian, so I knew Christians existed. But I didn't think, I, I thought Christians were all old people. Hello. That's what they think about some of us. Uh-huh. That's why people say, I'll serve the Lord when I get older. Hold on a second. You know, time out. What is it? The reality is, you know, we, we have this, you know, this mindset, like there's, a, there's an age where we're going to start serving. Like, can I tell you something? Statistically, folks need to start coming to know Jesus before they're 18 because most of the time if they don't, guess what? They never do. So young people, can I tell you something? you got a mandate on your life. Those of you that are in middle school, those of you that are in high school, those of you that are in college, listen, you have a mandate on your life to be a light that shines in the midst of a dark world, to walk by faith. And can I tell you something? It's not going to be all rosy. Hello. It's not going to be all peachy. Everybody doesn't want to hear about Jesus. But can I tell you something else? There are plenty of people that are dying to hear about the hope that you have in Christ. And same thing for us as adults. Listen, just because the statistic is many people don't come to Jesus when they're younger, I can tell you there are plenty of people that came to Jesus when they're older because they encountered him through someone's life. And so we have a responsibility to be a light. So here is the big idea for us today. Faith placed in God will never fail us despite what happens around us or to us. That's the big idea. Faith placed in God will never fail us despite what happens around us or to us. When my faith is placed in the person of who God is, no matter what happens around me, no, whatever ha no, no matter what happens to me, that faith doesn't fail. First thing I should repeat after me is this. See, our faith in God may result in unquestionable victory. Our faith in God may result in unquestionable victory. So let's read this together again, verse 32 to verse 35a. It says this. It says, and what more shall I say? It's like the writer is coming to this crescendo in the scriptures. He's inspired by the Spirit of God. And as he comes there, he says, and what more shall I say? He's going into this like he's coming to the climactic moment of this whole portion of scripture. And he goes on to say, he says, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon. 
of Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also, David and Samuel, so Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, those were guys, they were all judges, and they did things for the glory and the honor of God. David, he was the king, the second king of Israel. He was the man who was known as, as having a heart after God. Samuel, one of the, he was the, the first prophet after the judges. He was a man that the Bible says that none of his words fell to the ground. In other words, this guy was so in tune with God that everything that he spoke, he was speaking direct oracles from the Lord. He was was hearing from God and speaking. And the way that we knew that was because everything that he said was so accurate, none of it fell to the ground. All of it came to pass. That's a true prophet of the Lord now. And so he goes on, he gives, he gives this list of people, and then he goes on to say what they did. He said, who through faith, in verse, in, in verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, right? They caused kingdoms to be cast down, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. So, you know, Daniel wasn't even mentioned in that group there, but right here what he did is mentioned there. Quenched the violence of fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Y'all want to be part of that group, don't you? We all want to be part of that group, that side that there is unquestionable victory. There is unquestionable breakthrough in our lives. And so the writer explains these things. And I want to say this. There is nothing wrong with wanting to have the victory now. We should. I believe this. We should believe that God is working now. Should we not? We should believe that God is able now. It's not just believing that God can. It's believing that God will. You know how we know what God will? Because he revealed his will to us in his word. Hello. And so we can believe God for what he says in his word. We can trust God for what he says in his word. And so we should be believing him that way. And, and what happens is there are going to be times in our lives, and I pray that you see this often in your life, that there, that there is going to be those breakthroughs, that you are going to hear a yes to your prayers, that your travailing is going to turn to joy on the other side because everything you're praying for and believing God for is going to come to pass. I believe that those things are going to happen. And you know what should happen when that occurs? I'm going to tell you what should happen. When there is unquestionable victory, there should be unequivocal praise and glory and pointing to God Almighty as being the one who brought that to pass in your life. Because everybody who sees you on the other side of this, everybody who sees you having this breakthrough, they need to know about the God that you serve. They need to know that it wasn't because you were so wise. It wasn't because you had such a great plan. They need to know that it wasn't because you were so smart. It wasn't because everybody else was favoring you. They need to know it's because of God's grace and God's mercy. They need to know that. And so all of these people, you see David when he's fighting Goliath, I mean, he didn't go against Goliath in his own name. He knew he didn't have the strength or the ability to defeat this giant. And he gave glory to God before, after, and every other time you read about it, you know David took no glory for the defeat of, of, of that giant. He gave glory to God. And what did that do? That pointed the people to encouragement. Why? Because they were going to be encouraged. They were going to be built up because of what happened. And so this is what should be happening to us. What should happen is when we experience these breakthroughs, you know what it should do? It should humble our hearts. We should be humbled by, oh my God, God I, I, I cannot believe, I mean, I believe, but I can't believe you brought me through this. I can't believe you did this for me. I can't believe you answered that prayer that way. And listen, I need to tell you something because we can get to the next point. No is also an answer. Hello. I'm just saying. The second thing that I want you to ask, I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our faith in God, faith in God may, result may result in apparent defeat. 
our faith in God may result in apparent, say apparent, apparent defeat. In your outline, you should underline that. You should circle that because it may appear as defeat. Now, let's look at this next list because this is a list you don't want to be part of. Look at it, what it says here. And you could actually add here by faith. So I'm going to add that because it's the same thought right there. I'm not adding to the scripture. I'm simply putting in here so you can see that this doesn't disconnect faith. In verse 35, the second part of it where it says others, it could say by faith others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented by faith. By faith. See, that goes in the face of all the prosperity garbage that you hear out there. Because your faith could bring you to sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, tormented, afflicted, not being able to impress the drug dealer up the street because of the car you drive. Hello. But your faith can be honored by God. Your faith can bring transformation to those lives because of the God in whom your faith is. You see, there's another reality that many of us have faced, are facing, or will potentially face, and that is when our faith in God for now doesn't result as we thought. It may seem as though we have been defeated, but dying in faith or having our faith request denied is not a loss. Are you here? You see, it, when, when you look at these stories here, this first story here is one that, or, or the first example that we see here in verse 35, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And so many scholars, what they believe that this, this story is referring to, it's referring to a woman, a, a woman and her seven sons, was one example, in the Maccabean era. And so there are some books that are not, they're apocrypha books. They're not accepted in the canon of Scripture as being inspired because the authorship is wrong. The history is right because plenty of Bible scholars believe the history in the Maccabees. And so during this time, there was a woman, she had seven sons, and this woman was there and the, and, the, and the emperor at that time was trying to get them to recant on their Judaism, to recant on their faith in their God. This wasn't about faith in Christ. This was their faith in Jehovah God. And as this is occurring, this woman is there with her seven sons. And what they did is they told her, they said, listen, we are going to take, you know, we didn't tell her. They told them they're going to they're gonna torture you and you're going to die, each of these kids. And so she watched from her oldest son to her youngest son die in front of her. And each of them, they tried to get them to recant. And each of the sons, I, you know, I was going to read the whole thing to you, but it's really long, and you guys just started falling asleep, start talking to each other, start texting, so I don't want to do all that. So I'm just giving you the, the bullet points of this. But nonetheless, what happened was, they, I know you're real spiritual. You're going to be texting and quoting all of the things I was saying and tweeting them and saying, yes, God is doing amazing things in my life. Amen. But nonetheless, what was happening was this, the, the, every, every one of her sons, as, as they would come before the torturers, would say, you know, glory to our God. Take our lives for his glory. They were looking forward to this resurrection. Finally came down to her, to her seventh son. Her youngest son is there. And the, and the torturers tell, tell her, listen, why don't you just tell your son to recant? So at least you can save his life and you can save your own. 
And she goes over to her son and she whispers in his ear, and I wish I could tell you exactly her words, but in the quote of what she says to her son, she tells her son, honor the death of your brothers. And as she's whispering in his ear, he is crying out to the, to the executioner saying, what are you waiting for? Take my life now. I'm not going to recant. I'm not going to turn away from my God. I look forward to the day of the resurrection. You are going to be guilty of your sin, but we are going to be forgiven and we're going to walk with him in this resurrection. And ultimately, she gives and she dies as well. And so all of them die. They, they were tortured and they refused deliverance. This is what they did. Because of what? Because of faith. See, here's what I realized, and this is, this is the truth. This, this is a true story here. You know why these people were believing or believing in this God? Because they had seen the miracles of the God of the ages past, and they knew that he was real. And you know what they did? They had a hope that the same God that showed up in the lion's den was going to show up before their torturers. They had hope that the same God that showed up in the story with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which we're going to turn to right now, the same God that he showed up there. Look with me really quickly to the book of Daniel, chapter 3. I want you to look at this because I, I, this, is, this is important for us because our faith in God must always reflect that of these three Jewish men who were thrown into the fiery furnace. Look at Daniel, chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. And so you know the story here, King Nebuchadnezzar, he builds up this big monument, and everybody has to bow to this monument. Everybody has to worship this monument of him or whatever. And so he's not bowing down. There was a, there was a, um, there was the, 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 the decree goes out. And then all of a sudden, after some time here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are brought before the king saying that they are not going to bow down. And the king is questioning them saying, listen, you guys need to bow. And, he, and they're like, we're not going to bow. But I want you to look at this because this needs to be our heart. Pay attention attention to this. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. So he's there like, look, we are, when, 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 the, when the music plays, we are not going to bow. We're not going to do it. So we didn't, even, we didn't even answer you about this. And look what he said in verse 17. They say in verse 17, it says, if, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able, say able. He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will, say he will. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. In verse, nine, in verse 18, say, but if not. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That's some courage, is it not? These guys are standing before a blazing furnace. And their faith in their God is three things that they say here. The first thing that they say that is crystal clear is that they are not going to answer him in this matter. And he says the first, the, the, the first thing that they declare is that in this case, our God in whom, verse 17, in whom we serve is able. Say able. And so they say our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, right? I love that. They're like, our God is able. He can do it if he wants to. The second thing that, he, that, that, that they point out to them as far as their faith, I love this. He says, he will. Say, he will. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. You want to know what the second thing was? It wasn't that God might deliver them from his hand. They understood that they were in the hand of Almighty God. 
They weren't under the king's judgment. They were under the hand of Almighty God. They were in the care of Almighty God. And so God would deliver them from his hand. They, they, in other words, king, you don't have authority and power over us. The God of heaven has authority and power over us. But here's the verse that none of us want to, you know, like just say, okay, God. This is it. Look at it. Verse 18. You should highlight this. You should write, you should tell the person you're discipling that they need to learn this verse. Look what he says. But if not, if not what? If God doesn't deliver us from that fiery furnace. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That has to be our heart when we're walking with God by faith. It is that we know what God is able to do because he says it in his word. We know what God is willing to do. We know what God will do because of what? Because he says it in his word. But if God decides to say no, how many of y'all know it's okay for God to say no? I mean, he is sovereign, right? He rules. He reigns. He is the potter. We are the clay, right? Amen? He has some authority over us. I'm just saying. Like, it's okay for God to say no. And can I tell you something? He doesn't have to give you an explanation. When he says no, he doesn't have to explain to you why. He doesn't have to break it down for you. What you can do is you can trust Romans chapter 8. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. All things includes the answer no. Even when you want yes. Even when you're like you believe you deserve this. Even when you believe that you, I mean, that, like you, like you, this is something you should have. The reality is that when God says no, he's more wise than we are. He knows better than we know. And these three guys in the front of a fiery furnace said, but if he does not, just know that we don't serve your gods. Our faith is going to speak even if we get consumed in that fire. And God's mercy and grace, they did not get consumed. Here's what I want you to understand, and this is something that we don't want to hear either. As we face faith-testing moments that result in apparent defeat, hear me again, apparent defeat, it is then that our faith shines the brightest. It is then that our faith shines the brightest. You know, I, was, I watched a movie, it's called, it, um, last night, it's called The Last King. And it's about, like, the last king of Norway. It's uh, based on a true story. And um, I'm just telling you right now, don't watch this with your younger children. There's a lot of blood in this movie. You know, it's, it's war. So, you know, it's, it's showing, you know, stuff. And it's, you know, axes and swords. And I love it. But anyway, um, you know, Viking, right? You know, so and anyway. But there's, there's a scene in the movie where they're coming after this, 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 this baby king. And... Um, as they're coming after this king, they conquered this village. And there was like four guys that weren't wounded, that they were there on their knees. And so the commander of that part of the army, he says to them, you know, he, he says to the guy in their language, he says, let them know that if they, if they serve us, they can live, if, they, if they'll serve us. Well, there was one other guy, he had been shot with an arrow, and he was like, you know, real diesel guy, you know, real strong attitude. And he was getting up, he was trying to pull this arrow out of him. And he was going to go ahead and he was going to renounce, say, no, we're not going to serve. And as soon as he was leaning up, the guy took out his sword and chopped the dude's head off. You want to know what happened to them other four guys? They went, oh, they looked at each other and they were like, we surrender. You know why? Because it was apparent defeat. So they thought that that was apparent defeat, but that man was standing up for his faith and believing what he was doing was right. 
And he said, no, I'm not going to bow. You know what happens to us in those moments of apparent defeat? It seems like our faith is not going to shine. Can I tell you something? When you go through those faith testing moments of your life, here's what happens when you don't hear that yes to that answer of prayer. If you live through it, guess what you get to do? You get to communicate how you trusted God through it. And you're able to communicate with others, not because you're boasting, but when people ask you, how did you walk through this, man? It was nothing but the grace of God. And can I tell you the other side of it? If you die in it, you know what happens? Other people are going to talk about your faith. That's a legacy. I know you're like, I don't want to die. Listen, it doesn't matter. We're all going to die. All of us. That was a quote from the movie last night as well. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. That's the truth. How are we going to die is the question. Am I going to die in faith or am I going to die a coward? And I'm not just talking about the Viking situation. I'm talking about right here, right now. You don't have to be a Viking. Are you standing up for the faith? Are you standing up for who you believe in? Are you standing firm upon the truth of Scripture? My third point. I got like two minutes. I got to finish this up. But here's what it says here. Say this with me. Say, our faith in God should cause us to add value to our generation. Look at verse 38 here. Look what it says. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And so all that is tied in here. And he's talking about these people who were tormented, the goat skins, the people who were, who were <clears throat> tempted and went through all of these things. He is saying that these people, it said, I, I love that quote, of whom the world was not worthy. They lived their life as outcasts, as people whose faith was misunderstood, as people who were too radical. I mean, all of these different types of things. And these people, God says, not me, not you, not somebody else. God says, these people, the world was not worthy of them. So what that tells me is when you're talking about worth, right, you're talking about value. What happens is these people brought value to their generation. They brought value to their culture. They brought value that God says they weren't even worthy of it. And so what should happen to us is the same thing for us, is that we should be living not so super spiritual that we think we're greater than, anything, than everyone else, but we should be living so humbled by the grace of God, so humbled by the reality of what Jesus did on the cross for us, dying for rebellious sinners like you and I, leading us out of our darkness, leading us out of our shame into a relationship with him, saving us from the eternal judgments of hell, giving us a relationship with him right now and a promise of eternal life. I mean, that should be something that humbles us and makes us want to live for his glory. It makes us want to live in a manner that lifts up his name, in a manner that honors him. Our goal should be that, that we bring him the glory that he's worthy of. As I, as, as, as I was sitting here and I was thinking about this, our faith should be of such that at least, at minimum, our great, great, great grandchildren should be hearing about our faith. Are you here? I'm just saying, you know, I, I was talking about Leonard Ravenhill in the first service, and I have to say it like I said it there. I'm going to try to remember how I said it. He was, so, he was, he was an old, older guy, and he's actually dead. But anyway, um, and so I was listening to his story. The, what I was trying to make a point was is that every video that I see of him, he is older in the videos. He has passed away. And so, I, so that's what I was trying to say in the first service. It didn't come out right. Pastor, I'll have busted my chops. Nonetheless, 
I appreciate, listen, man, it's all good, man. I don't care. But nonetheless, here's the thing. I mean, I, I bust my chops in front of the church. Anyway, so ultimately what happens is Leonard Ravenhill, the reason why I brought him up is because he was sharing his testimony. And he was talking about how he came to faith. Now, Leonard Ravenhill is one of these guys that he is a preacher that he says, you know, there, he'll say stuff like this. He'll say, you know, there's tons of people in seminary that are studying church history, and they need to be studying the church today. They, they're, they're, they're over here studying dead men preaching today. Dead men, are you here? He'll say stuff like that. And so he's, he's, he wrote a book called Why Revival Terries. Just, I mean, a powerful book. It will, as you're reading it, every chapter you're going to think, man, am I even a Christian? I mean, he says stuff like, if you are a Christian and you don't pray for an hour a day, you're not even a Christian. He said, if you're a pastor, listen, now, he, he, he don't just leave it there. If you're a pastor and you don't pray for two hours a day, you ain't a pastor. Straight up. He ain't playing. I'm not a pastor by his standards every day. Some days I am, other days I'm not. But here's the deal. The point is he's a man that understands that if you want the power of God, you need to be in the presence of God. That's what he's saying. Because let me, let me just say this because, you know, we, we get all judgmental like, how, how can you say stuff like that? The bottom line is we all say we want more of God, but we're not willing to give God more. Oh, God, I want more of your presence. Really? Okay, well, I'm here all day long waiting on you. Where are you at? And don't be, listen, do not take this the wrong way what I'm about to say. But you got five minutes for me when you're in your car from the car to here. But you want more of me. Let me ask the wives in the, in, in the room. If a husband said he wanted to spend more time with you and he was sitting in front of the television three, four hours a day and, you know, you were in the kitchen or something like that, would you believe that he wanted more time with you? No. Hello. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen, right? <laughs> right I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, like, like, we say we want more of God, but do we really want more of him? So Leonard Ravenhill, he is, a, he, is, he is a man of God. I mean, just one of those guys that is in your face. And so he's telling a story about his dad. And he's like British or English or something like that. So he says his daddy. And he said, you know, I didn't come to faith because I realized that I was some great sinner. I didn't come to faith because I realized, you know, all these great truths. He said, I came to faith in God because my dad, he was a big guy. He was a big burly guy construction worker type guy and he said and we used to go to church on Tuesday nights for the prayer meetings and I would go with my daddy and he said as we were walking to the church my dad would have his coat on and he said and my daddy would take his coat off as we begin to pray and tears would begin to run down his face and he said and when I saw my dad I knew I knew the strength of my dad I knew how strong of a man he was and I saw those tears come down his face as he was praying before his God my heart was moved and I said I want that that my daddy has I want that kind of faith. See, that man, his daddy, that was a man whose faith, he was a man who the world was unworthy of. He was a man who was living a life that was so broken before his God, so humbled before his God. And that should be our heart as daddies in the room, as mommies in the room, as people of God in the room, that we live that kind of faith, that we are not con so consumed by this world, that we, are not that we are not equally and overly consumed by God Almighty, that tears run down our eyes as we're coming before our God, that we are broken before him. That is the place that we should be. See, I want to be that kind of dad. I don't know about anybody else in this place. I want to be that kind of man that when my daughter looks at me, she sees the love that I have for God, and she says, look, if the man that's pursuing me doesn't love God the way my dad does, I don't want nothing to do with him. Hello. That my son looks at me and says, man, that's the way that a man is. A man seeks God's heart. A man pursues God. A man doesn't do it on his own, but he runs hard after. That's the kind of heart that I want to have. 
That's the kind of faith that I want to live. That's the kind of life that we should be desiring to lead before Almighty God, that it is impacting generations, even that may never hear our name. Are you here? Because you look at Leonard Ravenhill, his daddy wasn't a preacher, wasn't an evangelist, wasn't a pastor of a church. He was a guy that was coming to prayer meetings. And because of the faith that he had, his son's faith was impacted. And I'm talking to you about him today. And I never even met the guy. Are you here? You know how many guys this guy has ministered to? How many guys he mentored? How many guys he discipled? How many people he built up? And it was all started with what? One person's faith that you and I would have considered insignificant because he wasn't a preacher in a tie and up and forth in front of people. His faith was very significant. And for all of us, our faith can be equally significant if we'll just allow ourselves to be in the hands of God the way he desires. My closing question for you is this, what are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? I don't know what it is. You may be believing him for breakthrough in your finances. You may be believing him for breakthrough in your health. You may be believing him for someone that you love to come to faith in Jesus. You may be believing him for your man. I don't know what you're believing God for, but what is it you're believing him for? And are you willing to trust him to the degree that your faith is going to affect others in a way that is going to bring transformation to their lives? Come on and stand on our feet. Let's pray together. Father, we humble, we humble our hearts before you today. And Lord, we know that our faith is not always answered with a yes. Our faith is not always answered the way that we want it to, but we know that our faith in you never fails, Lord God. We know that our faith in you will produce results beyond what we can even imagine. And I just pray for each of us that is in this place today that our hearts would be humbled before you. That we, Lord God, whatever we're believing for, Lord, I don't know what my brothers and sisters are believing for, but I know that they're believing you there, believing you for some specific things. And I just pray that those things would come, Lord God, into alignment with your will. If it is your will, let it be done. If it is not your will, let them let it go, my God. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them in their faith walk. I pray that their faith would be that of great impact and great value in the days in which they live. Lord God, that beginning in their homes, with their neighbors, Lord God, with their family members, with their friends, Father God, and unto all of those that they'll encounter. Lord, let our faith shine brightly for your glory, God. Father, we need you. And so we ask you, Spirit of God, to have your way in the great, great name of Jesus. Help us to believe you beyond anything else. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He is worthy.